This is Brian Oaks, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Erskine, Minnesota. We are pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network, CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Wednesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan, along with Tyler Donaldson in studio. We'll also hear from Whitney Pittman as well. Well, federal court has vacated the rest, uh, registrations of Extendamax, Ingenia, and Tavium. The court determined the EPA violated the notice and comment requirement for those dicamba product registrations. Bayer released a statement saying it disagrees with the ruling and is assessing its next steps. Bayer also said it's awaiting direction from the EPA on the actions it may take in response to that ruling. The decision to vacate these registrations of three dicamba products has Minnesota Soybean Research and Promotion Council Director of Research Dr. David Key concerned for farmers with dicamba products in their inventories heading into this grow season. That's one of our biggest concerns. What do we do with product already in-house, on-farm, and, and also what, what do we do with the seed selections? If you don't have the, if you plan to use dicamba to control your weeds, you can still come up with a herbicide program, but you can't have dicamba in it. Well, would you be better off with a different variety? Our biggest concern is the confusion that this causes the farmers and how do they handle this upcoming planting season, especially since it appears that we have a high likelihood of an early soybean planting in Minnesota and North Dakota. Key says that farmers need to be aware of their options and start making decisions now on how to proceed into this planting season. My concern is the process is going to take longer than it takes to get through planting season this year. You're going to have to make some decisions now about what to do for your FY24. Talk to your input supplier, your seed dealer, and your herbicide dealer about what your options are as we work to get this product, this tool, back to the farmers. Minnesota Soybean Growers Association President Bob Worth says that dicamba ruling couldn't have come at a worse time. What a game changer. I mean, this is really a bad time of the year to be having a ruling come out like this. All the farmers have, have uh, purchased their seed, all their chemicals for next year. And dicamba was a big part of that. I mean, it's just huge. And now all of a sudden, we do not know if they can even use it for this year. I mean, right as of today, they cannot. And worse says this ruling is very frustrating. But I know there are people working on the issue, trying to see if they can lease uh, use the stock they have in, in place, the seed and the and the chemicals. The seed is always can be planted. You just won't can't use dicamba on top of that seed. So it's it's just really a bad timing, and it's really frustrating. This is the second time they've done it in the past two three years, and it's just why they do it now. It's just frustrating. A mix of rain, snow, and freezing drizzle is moving eastward out of eastern Montana and across western and north-central North Dakota today. World Weather Incorporated says snow accumulations through tomorrow from eastern Montana through north-central North Dakota will range between 2 to 5 inches, with a few locally heavier amounts. Snow showers and flurries remain in the forecast through next Tuesday, with total moisture varying from little to none in South Dakota and south-central North Dakota to up to half an inch elsewhere. 
World Weather Incorporated Senior Ag Meteorologist Drew Lerner says that while temperatures are still lower a bit, we shouldn't expect a more significant drop until later in the month. I think we're going to be seeing a, a little bit of a mix. We've got a storm system that's pushing into the region today and uh, it'll be with us tomorrow under Friday morning. And we'll flip the winds around from the south to the north, and that usually brings cooler air, and that's exactly what will take place. We'll have not a lot of precipitation, but we will get a little bit of a mix coming through the region. More importantly, it kind of sets the stage for a bit of a cooling trend that may take place uh, as we go forward into the coming week. I don't think we're going to see any kind of uh, unusual cold for a while. El Nino is fading and expected to flip to La Nina by summer, which could lead to drier, warmer summer. The El Nino event is weakening and will be accelerating in that decline as we go from late February through March. NOAA's model for ENSO events has suggested that we would have neutral ENSO by the time we get to the 1st of April. And that same model suggests that additional cooling in the ocean will take place uh, on into our summer. And that suggests that a La Nina event could evolve. And we have noted in years where we have moved from a significant El Nino in January to a La Nina by summer, we usually have a drier and a warmer bias in our summer. Daily rain and thunderstorm activity is expect, expected across much of Brazil through next Tuesday, with rainfall totals varying from 1 to 4 inches. A few locations in the far north could reach 5 inches. World Weather Incorporated says Argentina will also see daily showers and thunderstorms through Tuesday, with rainfall totals varying from 1 to 3 inches. World Weather says some local amounts of 2.5 to 4 inches is also possible. Argentina's temperatures are expected to cool from the 100s today to the 70s by next Tuesday. Demographic shift in several developed countries, including China and the U.S., is going to cause an economic transformation in the next decade. That, according to political strategist Peter Zion, the labor force is a major factor. There's two pieces to the labor equation. The first one is immigration. And until we're through this political reshuffling we're in the middle of, there's no one in Washington who wants to do meaningful immigration reform. Uh, the second problem is homegrown demographics. The baby boomers were our largest generation ever. They're retiring. The Zoomers are our youngest and smallest generation ever. And the difference just last year between the exiting boomers and the entering Zoomers was an annual shortage of a half a million workers. That number is going to go up for every year for the next 11 before it peaks with a one-year shortage of about a million. Zion says it's tough to predict exactly how and when these shifts will happen. The largest and the number four and five producers of corn soy um, are Brazil, Russia, and Ukraine. And all three of them are going to vanish from international markets before the end of the decade. So there's disruptions on both the supply side and the production, or sorry, the supply side and the demand side. Uh, unfortunately, I cannot give you a firm schedule for the order in which all that's going to go down. So if we lose supply first, then obviously prices go through the roof. If we lose demand first, prices go through the floor. Welcome to agriculture. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Wednesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. The best of the best in weed and soybean research is underway at Grand Forks, North Dakota. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman has this report from the Alaris Center. 
Joining us is Andrew Friskup, NDSU Extension Plant Pathologist, uh, presented here today at Best of the Best. Tell us a little bit about what you were focused on. Yeah, so like today's talk is really thinking about awareness of a couple wheat diseases that uh, we commonly face and given a research update on as far as like what we're doing on the university side to help make those decisions a little bit easier. So today, uh, the primary focus of the talk was tan spot, very common foliar disease. We've been used to it. Bacterial leaf streak, which has risen as being our most important disease that we're actively researching and then at the end given a physarium head blight fungicide update that is commonly requested or the data is commonly requested each year. So talking about bacterial leaf streak, what are some of the, the main things that growers need to be considering or keeping in mind? Yeah, for bacterial leaf streak, um, understand it's a seed-borne disease. Um, that certainly is important because you can think about it, it just didn't come in you know, from some other source. It definitely was carried in with the seed. Um, host resistance is our number one tool. It's our only tool. And if somebody asks me, what's your management plan for bacterial leaf streak? It's host resistance, host resistance, and then host resistance. That's all we have. Uh, the other thing I, I always will caution that is because it's a bacterial disease, we don't have anything to spray our way out of the problem. So it just kind of those take-homes uh, definitely will help from a management perspective and the awareness of just understanding all those principles are really important at this time of the year. And of course, the, the crystal ball is always cloudy when we're trying to look ahead, but here for 2023, what were some of the big lessons we, we could take from that growing season? Yeah, 2023, just like every year is a new year. Um, disease was down across the state in North Dakota, which is a huge win for us. Mother Nature helped with that. But we don't know what's going to happen next year. Um, if we get a wet June and if we get May and if we get in the field early, I mean, there's a lot of factors that are tough to consider. But for the most part, I can say, yes, we'll see a disease. How much of it? I'm not sure. Which one? I'm not sure, but I can guarantee it's probably tan spot, bacterial leaf streak, and at least a little bit of scab will pop up. I'm sure it's important to, to stay ahead of those things and make sure you, you take proactive uh, steps there. Yep. All starts with the variety. Understand your variety. Know, know where it's either failing in some of the disease scores. And if you can, be able to help it with a fungicide for those fungal diseases. But it always starts with the variety and understanding what you have as a, as a, as a potential aspect. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Andrew Friskop joining us on the Red River Farm Network. There is another chance to take in this information at Moorhead, Minnesota. Registration opens at 8 a.m. and programming kicks off at 8.30. After six years on the job, Northern Crops Institute Director Mark Jerick is stepping down. For me personally, there's there's a lot of things that uh, that I still want to do career-wise. And so me, for me personally, for a number of reasons, it was timing was right. Uh, and then from a from an NCI standpoint, I mean, really, we we've been very fortunate to have good support from our legislatures um, in North Dakota and Minnesota, South Dakota. Um, but with the next legislative session coming up in North Dakota in January, um, it's important to have a new director in place. So um, it takes a while to get that position in place. So so now now is a very good time. So. NCI Technical Manager David Baim and NCI Program Development Manager Casey Peterson will serve as interim co-directors. Under Jerick's leadership, NCI has evolved its role in education and training. When the pandemic hit, um, there are a few other institutes like uh, NCI across the country, and a lot of them said, you know, how can we do education in a pandemic? And, and my staff stepped forward and said, how can we not do education in a pandemic? Um, and the fact that, that last year um, we hit almost 3,500 people around the world between our short courses, both in person, online, our webinars, our conferences, um, it's really a testament to what the staff has done 
when you look at the technical service side, I mean, we just continue to add more and more clients that are trying to add value to the crops grown in our region and invest in our region. So um, really hats off to the staff for everything that they've done. The weekly report from the Energy Information Administration says ethanol production for the week ending February 2nd totaled 1 million barrels per day. That is up 43,000 barrels per day from the previous week and above trade estimates. Ethanol stocks increased half a million barrels to 24 and three quarter million barrels. President Joe Biden has received a letter signed by nearly 3,500 farmers voicing concern about the administration's favoritism of electric vehicles over biofuels. To address climate change and sustainability, the letter said a multi-pronged approach that includes corn ethanol is needed. The letter was put together by the National Corn Growers Association. This is the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Uncertain ice conditions have moved today's agronomy on ice onshore. Agile agronomy owner Kyle Oakey calls the current ice conditions on Devil's Lake iffy at best. There's lots of reports of uh, poor ice areas, not generally overall poor ice, but enough where we were concerned about it and, and all the lake goers were concerned about it. And so we moved to an alternate location on land right next to Woodland Resort, uh, right on the other side of their boat marina. And so they have this beautiful crushed asphalt pad that worked as a great alternative. The special agronomy on ice atmosphere continues though. We've got flags, we've got houses, we've got tents, we've got people walking in and out, we've got smokers going, we've got uh, people milling around, we've got a lot of people already starting to mill around and, and visit and all that. So uh, yeah, agronomy on ice, we were a little worried we're by the ice, or maybe some people have been joking, we're by the beach this year, but uh, we're, we're still happening, and things still look as active as ever. Checking markets before you leave you this afternoon. We're seeing March wheat in Minneapolis. Penny and a quarter higher now, 694 and a half. May is up three quarters. Chicago March wheat seven and a quarter higher at 602 and a quarter. Kansas City March wheat's up a quarter of a penny at 618 and three quarters. March corn down four and three quarter cents at 434. July corn's down five at 455 and a half. March soybeans down 13 and a quarter cents at 11.86 and a half. May soybeans down 13 and a quarter at 11.95. March meals down $8 a ton. The bean oil 61 points higher. March canola $2.10 a metric ton lower at 5.9140 Canadian. February live cattle down 70 cents 182.30. April's down $1.42 at 184.65. March feeder cattle down $1.07 at 245.60. April is down 62 cents at 251.07. February lean hogs are down 12 cents at 73.35. And the April lean hogs are down 20 cents at 81.05. Dow Jones industrial average is currently trading 175 points higher. That's at 38,697. Crude oil, 30 cents a barrel higher at $73.61. Well, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Have a good afternoon. This is the Red River Farm Network.